Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the Goldmine Podcast. This is Pat Prince, editor of Goldmine Magazine. And this episode will have Michael Kurtz. He is the CEO and co-founder of Record Store Day. Now, you should be familiar with him if you've you're a subscriber of Goldmine. We usually have an annual interview with Michael, and then we have a podcast around Black Friday, and that's what this podcast will be about. Record Store Day Black Friday, and the selection that will be there if you go to record stores on that day in November. I decided to do the podcast now. We could have waited till the week before, but there's a lot of excitement about all the stuff that's going to be available for Record Store Day on, on Black Friday. And that includes, uh, well, I'll just make out a few pointers. Uh, there's a great Jimi Hendrix live album, another great collectible to be had, exclusive from Record Store Day. There is also another great Bee Gees release, a compilation. The last Bee Gees release did very well. And this one should do well, too. And then I'll tell you my, during the podcast, I'll tell you my, uh, the one I'm looking for, the release I'm looking most forward to, which is a reissue. Hasn't been on vinyl for 40 years. And then, of course, Michael will tell you what he's excited about. So we'll be right back to talk with Michael Kurtz of Record Store Day after this message. Well, let's get into let's get into uh, Black Friday. Let's do it. <laughs> and thanks for always doing this. It seems like we have the you know the Black Friday podcast every year. But before we get into that, how do you think um, so far Record Store Day has gone this year? I'm pretty much given the circumstances with the pandem- pandemic and all the issues with manufacturing at plants uh, for vinyl and all the issues with shipping, it's as good as it could be. We put a lot of work into trying to get in front of problems and solve them before they happened. And so the three drops that we did this year were all extremely successful. Yeah. The stores are you know, reporting that this year is one of the best years they've ever had. Um, always take that kind of feedback with a grain of salt because it just means that if you fall, it's going to be a lot farther down than it was before. But uh, so far, it's been really, really good. It's interesting because, you know, you know, talking to a lot of collectors, you know, record guys, they seem to like the record drops more. Well, they do. <laughs> but, you know, um, yeah, you know, this is where it gets really tricky because Record Store Day is a celebration of record stores. Exactly. But, 
people get into the product of record stores. And, and it's really cool. You know, we love the fact that artists and their managers and labels make these great records, but it's that's really not what it's supposed, you know, it's a big part of it, but it's not it. And when, when I hear somebody go, oh, I like all three, the drop thing, that just tells me they're like, I like the business of that. That's a lot of sales for us. And and, and that's cool. I'm glad that it is, but that's not what we're doing. We're not really. Gonna, we can't every, keep going because we just don't even have the bandwidth to do it. It takes a lot of work. Yeah, and every day, that special day in April, I, I you know, put aside like, you know, um, Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm ready to hang out all day at. Uh, yeah, right. right. That's what it's supposed to be. You you know? Know? So for next year, we'll have, uh, you know, we're planning on going back to records for the Saturday, April 23rd. And how, what surprised you as far as a record store day item exclusive um, that did better than you thought, or was more popular, I should say, than you thought? Was there anything? Uh, that... me, my brain is not. Or I have to look around <laughs> my, my office here to see what. Anything that took you by surprise? You know, not not really. It's just it's all been. It was all really good. I mean, there were a few records that underperformed that we were shocked by, like the Amy Winehouse remix record, which is a great one, but people didn't really respond to that one. That's very strange. Uh, uh, we think, but. Uh, you know, there's always a few like that where you thought it was it was really going to be one thing, and then it ended up being something else. It doesn't it doesn't really matter long term because it's a great record, and you know, the stores will sell every copy they have every time. But you know, that's the thing that that's the human condition. You think about the things that don't go right really more than the things that you do yeah. did go right because you're kind of worried about what it means. Well, she's always Amy Winehouse is always going to be popular, right? But you know. Maybe it needs something like, um, you know, a biopic on her or a movie or a special on her. You know, it's happened to a lot of bands like the Monkees, the the Doors. Yeah, I mean, I know that that sort of affects people in the more, you know, mass commercialism thing. But Amy Winehouse is the business RSD, right? Hendrix or Bob Marley or something. So. You know, usually pretty much whatever you do with them is, is pretty solid. I mean, it did fine. And then I think the production number on that was pretty high. Uh, you know, normally record store day titles average around 5,000. I think that was more like 10. Mm. So, you know, I mean, it's all relative reasons for everything. Now, Fred, the comedian Fred Armisen is still the ambassador. So, yeah, um, <laughs> you know, he's just really been great. Um at every level, you know, he did that. He was the first person to really talk in detail about Record Store Day on late night TV. I think he was on Jimmy Fallon or the other one. I think it was Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. And, you know, he went off and talked in detail about being the ambassador of Record Store Day and about Record Store Day. We've always tried to, you know, try to break that wall and get somebody to talk about it on late night TV, but never has happened. So, but Fred made that happen. He did a really cool record with Ty Siegel. That was awesome. Um, he just did a video with um, Surfboard, uh, that punk band out of Brooklyn. Uh, that's really cool. Um, I mean, he's very active in music and he was the perfect ambassador during the pandemic because our conversations with him were so human. It was like, God, is it okay to like talk about trying to have a good time during all of this? And, you know, so we kind of didn't, you know, make like a video like we normally do. Uh, and instead he, he talked, 
he did things like the, the late night TV appearances and stuff. Um, but he's just a phenomenal guy, great musician, and just a huge fan of record stores. How did you hook up with him? I mean, did you know he was a record collector? or I actually met him in a record store, Generation Records in New York, about 10 years ago. You just ran uh, into him? <laughs> I was shopping like everybody else for record store pieces, and um, I was there with the person, actually my ex-wife, and we were we're, we were, you know, we're friends. And so we were hanging out and doing some shopping. And she said, she gave me the elbow and he's like, Hey, it's Fred Armisen over there. And I'm like, what? And he's like on the other um, side of the aisle digging, crate digging. And, and I said to, you know, I was, I was like, Oh, I should try to like um, let Carrie know who does all our social media. And I said, how do you spell his name? And he overheard us and, and it leans over the counter, the the um, you know the record racks, and it's like F R E D A R M I S, yeah, you know. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, if anybody knows how to spell your name, it's you. But uh, that's how I met him. We talked a little bit about music, and really, I didn't have much contact with him for a long time, off and on. Maybe a little bit of something, you know, emails about something or other that we were doing that was related to him, and then we had the discussion about who to to try to have as an ambassador, it just hit me. It's like Fred is the perfect person because he's just really a good human being. He's a super fan of record stores. He appeared into them so many times. That's probably why we had interaction because he did appearances at record stores on record store day. So um, he was just the perfect person. And I'm so glad that he ended up doing it. Yeah, I, I know with Goldmine, I love doing that stuff where an actor who's a musician or, you know, they're known for an artist known for something else. will do like, you know, 10 albums that changed my life or mm -hmm. stuff like that. Cause it's very interesting. It's a little bit different. And I think fans and record collectors are like, Oh, cool. That person is into music and records right. too. You know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think that's why he's so interesting because he has that depth of knowledge, not just for movies, but for music. Yeah. Is he going to do anything for Black Friday? Is he doing anything? I don't know. You know, it's it's funny with him. It's like when he did his his uh, late night appearances and talked about records. Sort of, I, I didn't know it. He just he just does what he wants to do, you know. Right. And it, I don't know. He may. <laughs> he might. <laughs> it depends. I think he's making some new movies, too. Uh, you know, during the middle of all this, he was filming in Italy. So when I would talk to him, it would be on a movie set in Italy. You know, like, you know, what's going on? Yeah, I, see him, I see him in a lot of stuff. I don't know where he finds the time, you know. So I don't either. It's crazy. <laughs> well, he is a good pick. Now, have you been noticing uh, how the record stores, the difference from this year to last year, how um, they're operating and how they're doing? I mean, it's got to be a better year for them. Um, they... I thought a lot of them handled the pandemic last year rather well with websites and curbside pickup. And um, I was kind of, you know, as a guy who covers this stuff, I was kind of proud of them that they, they changed gears that quickly um, and survived. I mean, some didn't make it and that sucks, but um, a lot of them did from what I can tell. Yeah, no, I think majority of them did uh, very well. And it took a lot of work coordination, a lot of education from and shared information 
you know, everything thought out of the box. Yeah, they were a lot of them thought out of the box. That's well, they first had to go through the PP loans that a lot of them had to do that and to keep their payroll going. Yeah. Um, then there were other really interesting things happen, like Taylor Swift. Actually, I don't know if it's public, but she actually paid the uh, health care for um, uh, the staff at Grimey's in Nashville, her hometown. Uh, there were a lot of people that stepped up and helped record stores during that during that period. And then uh, the ones who expanded online, uh, you know, uh, really grew a whole new customer base that they didn't have before. So well, they started doing these interesting things like podcasts and record shows and, you know, doing giveaways on these shows. I, I've like th- a lot of fun stuff, actually, which in a bad time, which was... Um, you know, interesting, uh, made me forget about uh, the crap going on for a while, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So what do you think? Uh, I've got a list here with some things I jotted down as that I look forward to Black Friday. Um, there's a Bee Gees compilation. That, that's yeah. like Kisses of Love, and that's going to be a thousand. Um, that's pretty cool. Um, oh. That one was, you know, a lot of people don't understand the record store they releases are, are curated by a group of about 10 record store owners. Nothing gets made that they're not into. Um, so, you know, there's this whole you know, misinformed uh, group of people who, you know, start YouTube channels and do specials on record store day sucks this year or whatever it is, you know, to use to get viewers. Um, but they'll talk about things like, oh, it's a money grab. And, and, I, and every time I see him, I just shake my head. I'm like, dude, this is a record store owners. Saying, I want this record. So that Bee Gees record is just one that they wanted to do. And, and that's how it ended up happening. And it's a pretty small run. And we thought it made a lot of sense because the Foo Fighters did their Bee Gees record, you know, where they're basically covering the, the Bee Gees this year. And that was a really big, that, going back to what it was the biggest record, of this year, it was definitely the DG's record. That album blew everybody's mind. And, um, you know, we knew we could we could sell 150,000 copies of that. Right, if, right. If, 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 if it was about that. But it wasn't. The band and manager really just wanted to make something special for people who support record stores. And it was an amazing thing. Plus, I think a lot of, uh, well, at least the mainstream, well, not even the mainstream, a lot of people think of the Bee Gees as this disco band in the late 70s. They don't realize the wealth of music that they had before that. No, it's true. You know, all of their pop stuff and the really dramatic things. I mean, I thought that, that documentary that came out recently about them was really just fantastic because it gave you a real sense of like who they were, were right. and how they created the, such amazing art. Um, it was a really great story, great music. Yeah, my I didn't know myself that they had stuff like the power pop they did beforehand. Just because mm-hmm. I kind of like, you know, just because I knew them from the disco era, I kind of, you know, blew them Assumed. off. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, it's one of my favorite uh, quotes from John Lennon when people were putting them down, you know, for doing disco music at that time. And there was always like, I felt, and other people felt it too, there was a little bit of a racist thing going on there. Disco, it's like black music or or gay music, or I don't know what it was, some kind of ism. But John Lennon stepped up and said, hey, they're making great, 
great music that's fun, you know, it's yeah. cool, what's the problem? I'm totally paraphrasing. Music is music, you know. Music. <laughs> yeah, defending them for making really memorable music. Um, and in, in that, they talk about it in that documentary about how they <laughs> all lived in that house down in Miami and, and came up without its sound. Right. Uh, and, and, and really it was nothing, I mean, sure it was disco, similar but it was like something way beyond that it was just yeah. you can put one of those songs on now and it just pops it's just so the energy level it's is so true. intense right it's true um of course there's a live Jimi hendrix experience that's a good one paris <laughs> yeah you always, you always have good hendrix so you know, we do and that's because janie and the hendrix estate really is a fan of record store day and I actually got to meet her and spend some time with her at Electric Lady Studios uh, a few years back and she's such a kind person really cool and uh, it's just surreal to know well there's Jimmy's sister you know it's like wow um, and she's such a healthy person too you know it made you know all these thoughts are rushing through your head and had Jimmy like been able to survive that dark side of the 60s mm. you know he probably would have been making just amazing music all these years yeah. He was such a positive person too. Now, one that I'm really looking forward to is the Barry Maguire, Eve of Destruction. Um, and I was surprised by this, the first vinyl reissue in 40 years. I didn't know that. Yeah. Insane. Well, that's the kind of record that record store owners want. That's that's yeah. something like the people who like put down records for day as a money grab by the labels and stuff. They, like, look, they're putting out Barry Maguire's record. I'm like, dude, you don't get it. This is like right. for, for, for a group of fans, this is the shit. This is like yeah, a really is. cool album. So, you know, get out of here with your negativity. This is a celebration of, of great art. Again, if you don't get it, that's fine. But somebody else who does will be happy. Yeah, there are songs on there that are so relevant today as they were in what? What was it, 66 or whatever you made it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's pretty amazing. Of yeah. course, there was a lot of turmoil then, but uh, even Destruction is such <coughs> an amazing song. I and mean, he, he took a lot of slack back then for being so pessimistic. Um, yeah. <laughs> he is who he is. Was. So let's talk about a few other things. Last time I talked to you about the uh, mini turntables, the mm -hmm. RSD3, yeah. and you were talking about the supply chain was kind of, I guess, the guy that made them. Uh, the guy who made the RSD3 turn, uh, records themselves right. turned 94 this year, and he retired. Oh, he, uh, retired. he turned it over right. to his apprentice, who I think is 74. Um, oh. And there's, so there was this whole... Uh, turnover so like you know who do it because it really takes a lot of uh love and attention to cut those records um and uh so they you know toya kasei the plant that uh, oversees that in japan which is owned and run by the uh, an old japanese family it's been doing it since the 50s and really is truly the only japanese vinyl manufacturing plant there's a Sony, some 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 Sony operation, but Toya Kasei is the is the machine. It's the heart of everything. Um, and they and so this gentleman, I don't, don't know his name off the top of my head. You know, so there's a transition there. And the Nora Jones Christmas record that we're putting out is the first one done by the the um, the uh, apprentice. new apprentice. It's the uh, her singing the chipmunk song. 
Oh, cool. That is cool. The Chipmunks Christmas song. Right, right, right. Uh, and I think we're going to do a small number of little RSD3 turntables with artwork uh, silk screened on the top. That's really pretty, very festive, kind of a Christmas thing. But it'll be a very small number of those, you know, probably less than 50. And yeah, the turntable, the records themselves, I think we'll have around 2,000. Well, as I know, you never underestimate collectors. They they like that. They so they well. That's the thing about the you know, and and we've taken flack for people. Oh, why do you do these things like? And, and like the RSD3 and the three inch turntables, you know, this is like, uh, this is so kitschy. It's like, and my response is like, it's, it's just meant to be fun. It's not, and, and it's meant for collectors because in the collector's world, they'll get that these things were made by hand right. and that this is a very small number of these things made. And for that purpose alone, it's just, a, it looked beautiful on your bookcase too. I mean, you have one of these little guys. They're so cute. Um, but it's, you know, some people get it, some people don't. Um, but uh, yeah, we have uh, Nora Jones' Three Inch for Christmas this year will be released on Black Friday. And we're working on a uh, couple big ones for next year. Yeah, I know collectors that have every turntable that you guys put out and the, um, the small mini turntable. So, yeah. you know, they collect them, you know? Yeah, that's really um, cool. Now, as far as uh, you started on the site uh, behind the counter series, which is pretty cool, 12 part series, right? Yeah. It's going into a second turn, right? Isn't it the second part now? You're going to have 12 more? Well, we've done all of them for this year. Yep. And we are working on uh, possibly doing it again for next year. Um, and that's just really a, a real close-up view of record stores, the owners, and, you know, they're I love they talk about the, their passion of sound. Yeah, we do something called Record Store Recon, which uh, we have an anonymous reviewer go in. Um, but this is, this is where you take a video camera, go in there, and you talk to the owners, and you get a sense of what the – every record store looks different, you know? And they yeah, have, oh, they're very uh, different. It's crazy. So, <laughs> exactly so it's good that you know i i uh god if i had uh if i won the lotto i'd go across country and visit like every state every record store. Yeah. so this yeah. is, these things are great to watch so if you go i hope uh listeners will go to the site your of the record store day site and check out um this series now you also have a documentary series Maybe you want to talk about that called Open Doors. It was about black owned record stores. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's yes, we did a whole series um, with Vans, the shoe company, to highlight black owned record stores. Um, I think it had a longer name than Open Doors. Uh, but uh, what we did there was we put out a couple records uh, of various uh, art, black artists who donated tracks. So we can make the albums for the stores and we, uh, um, you know, I mean, it, it had like Grammy, three Grammy award-winning artists on it. Berta Flack donated her cover version of uh, what's going on that had never been released before. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, CBS this morning did a whole segment on it. That was really beautiful, really great piece. But um, yeah, that was us really trying to, mm -hmm focus on and support black owned record stores because they used to be such a huge part of the music industry. Mm -hmm. um, but they were, with the advent of streaming, they were pretty much run out of business. Um, 
I think it, just as recently as 10 years ago, there were over 100 Black-owned record stores. Now there's around 33 or something like that in the entire country. So we, we just felt like it was important to do um, because they're such a big part of their community. They're this, the, where, where the local independent stores is a person who runs the ads in the local high school newspaper and donates to the local, you know, music club and, you know, employs the kids, you know, I mean, it really is a very positive thing for, uh, for uh, the community, but um, there's not a lot of support for it. So that's what that was about. And those videos were inside looks of those doors and they really were eye-opening too, because you really learned a lot about who they serve and mostly everybody. Um, they have a focus more on like hip hop and jazz or something like that. Um, but some of them are just across the board, just, just record stores that have everything. Right. Every genre. Now you also started a, a record store day podcast. We did. We did that with Paul Myers. Uh, Paul Myers, I met because he's a, like me as a big Todd Rundgren fan. Who we have a Todd Rundgren release for Black Friday this year. We issued 40, I think it's 40th anniversary of uh, Healing. Yeah. <clears throat> which we thought was appropriate for this year. <clears throat> but anyway, I met Paul because he'd written the, the Todd Rundgren book, Wizard of Two Star. <clears throat> it's a fantastic book about uh, with, with Todd. And um, we struck up a friendship uh, um, around the time that we did the Jocko film with uh, Metallica's Robert Trujillo. And that relationship grew and grew until one day he asked me, you know, what can we do together? And I thought about it. So, well, let's do a podcast. Because um, Paul knows a lot of musicians, uh, mainly. He's very tight with a lot of musicians on the West Coast, but he's also, um, you know, pretty. Um, <clears throat> as a good circle of friends in film and books too, because of his own writing and because his, his brother, Mike Myers is, uh, you know, been exposed to a lot of the film side of things. So he was the perfect person to do it. And those podcasts are just delightful. I mean, they're just, just some of them are fan, just really, truly fantastic in, in the depth of that they do, that Paul goes into, whether he's talking to Lucinda Williams or, uh, you know, God, somebody, you know, Tony Visconti, uh, his interview with his brother was just hilarious because you get two brothers just going at it. I don't know if you have, if you have a sibling, there's things that brothers do and he does right on the podcast and it's just so funny. It's just great. But yeah, that's how that came about. It's really cool. So that's going to continue. Did that start this year? That started this year? I think he's on his like 40th or 50th episode now. It's like it only does once every two weeks. So it's been a couple of years. Okay. Well, well lastly, what, what are some of the goals for Record Store Day next year? Um, <coughs> I remember this is a kind of running joke. Um, you mentioned, I always ask you about eight tracks. And you say, one day you hope maybe an exclusive Lou Reed, Coney Island Baby on eight tracks. Yeah. <laughs> I just picked that one because I love that record. Yeah. I'll step it up and say Lou Reed's New Sensations because New Sensations was never on an a track. It came afterwards. And that's one of my favorite Lou Reed albums. But yeah. that um, Now, next year, we're going to do a focus on women in the music business and women artists um, and really try to uh, celebrate that relationship. 
Um, yeah. And so uh, it's going to take many different forms. And then next year's our 15th anniversary. And the Record Store Day book is coming out. Rare Bird is publishing the story of Record Store Day. And that'll come out. And right now we're working on a companion album that'll come with it uh, with the first 1,300 or so books that are sold. It has live performances from bands, you know, like Pearl Jam, Imagine Dragons, Justin Town Earl, um, God, who are some of the other people? Frightened Rabbit, Regina Spector, uh, a bunch of them. It's, it's really A-list and these performances are fantastic. So that will do an album that comes with the book. And the book basically tells the story of how like we started really kind of clueless and with just the idea that we wanted to celebrate record store culture and how we by accident relaunched the vinyl business. Um, not like we set out to do it, but that's what happened. We just kept driving it and beating the drum on it. And, and it was funny because going through it, um, I had to go back and remember, well, how did that happen? Why did that happen? Mm. And one of the things that came out of it was the realization, holy shit, we didn't, Record Store Day and the whole resurgence of vinyl would never have happened had we not put a record store on site at Coachella the second year. And we did it for three, I think three or four years. Mm. And that Coachella site early on made up for a large portion of the vinyl sales, which gave this inflated view of like vinyl. It was sort of like, holy shit, all this vinyl is being sold. And a lot of it was being sold at that record store in Coachella, but it gave everybody the confidence to go, well, let's try it. Let's do it again. Let's, yeah. let's make a little bit more. And, you know, and it got the indie labels really involved. Because That store we did on site, we'd have 40 artists come in and do signings and meet fans and things. It was just a huge operation. And that enabled us to connect with all those artists and say, hey, we're passionate about vinyl. Will you consider making vinyl? And it just evangelized to the point that it really drove it, drove the whole thing. And I'd forgotten all about that. I was, I've been so busy with everything else. I just forgot that we put so much energy into that. That is kind of where the resurgence began. And, you know, with Goldmine, vinyl's always been popular, but during those 90s years, it was, uh, well, we've always been Music Collectors Magazine, right? Yeah, you know, it's the culture of vinyl has always been there. And the collecting yeah. of vinyl, that's never gone away. What went away was the business for vinyl. Right. If you went into a record store, sure, yeah. they'd be like used sections and stuff, and they'd be collector's things. But there's nobody making new YouTube albums or Springsteen. But if you walk into Amoeba during their mid-90s, you see used CDs. Oh, it's all, it's all CDs. I mean, in fact, and that comes out in the story too, the early in the beginning of record store day was I took a lot of shit from yeah. record store. And it's like, what is all this vinyl crap? You know, we don't right. sell vinyl. Right. Nobody right. sells vinyl. You know, why are you putting out vinyl records? And I'd have to explain to them, well, because when we talk to the artists, that's what they'd like to do. So can right. we like go along with this and see where it goes? And it just grew and grew and grew and to the point where, you know, now manufacturing is so overwhelmed that they can't even make you know, know. vinyl. I mean, you know, records that they should be doing. So it's 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 a double-edged sword. Well, it's going to continue. I don't think vinyl will ever subside now, which is good. No, I think it's going to it's just going to keep expanding because now it's a new generation's choice of how they want to experience albums. Right. And, you know, it's it's not going to take away the phone. The phone's always going to be here. We're going to always have streaming, and that's going to be great. 
what it is, but yeah, vinyl records is it's here to stay, I think. Well, streaming is mostly convenience, right? <laughs> That's yeah, no, it is, and it's and also access, you know. I mean, you yeah. can access a lot of shit. So I mean, you, could, you could do you could have the best of all worlds, both worlds, whatever. So that's yeah, well, that's what it is now. Everybody, you know, you you listen to your music while you're traveling or whatever, or on your computer yeah. while you're working, which is probably the majority of the way people consume it. But if you want the album experience, you're going to buy the package and open it up, and yeah. put the needle on, and transport yourself. Oh yeah, when I'm fact checking through the magazine i can't just grab say a album by the easy beats right so i'll say alexa can you oh, exactly <laughs> no it's true i i um I, uh, I do a radio show on kglt here in bozeman montana now every other tuesday afternoon <clears throat> and i do all of my research <clears throat> grabbing some tracks just from my phone <laughs> you know it's like it's a way to like oh shit i want to do you know Fire, what was the name? Who did that? What was the guy's name that did Fire? The, the 60s um, hit? Oh, God, it's escaping me now. It's on my phone. Um, Arthur Brown, right? What? Was it Arthur Brown? Arthur Brown, yeah. I think it was Arthur something. Yeah, you know, I don't have that album, you know? Yeah. I, but, oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah. What? Even in a record store, you can't have everything. No, you can't have everything. So it's a great, it's a great thing for that. But... You know, I, just I, wish, I just wish the artist got paid a little bit more for streaming. That's that's just the thing. But you know, yeah, you know, that's a very you know I hesitate talking about it because I know too much. The whole model and the reason what bugs me most about it is how the the new artists, with a few exceptions, are completely shut out from like all the big playlists that hmm. generate money. Um, you know, that's all ninety percent. You know the three majors and that's because they're i think the business relationship between the streaming companies and the and those three major companies is such that that's the way it's going to be and you know i've tried to talk to independents and say can we get organized so we can like find a way for better representation and get our so the artists can make more money but i think it just seems insurmountable for people to even try they're making it through the box sets and vinyl and touring. Um, yeah, but that's hard. It it's, is. You know, it's expensive and it's hard. And that's what it bothers me about it. Because I know artists and I know what they're up against. That some of my yeah. friends are. And that's a hard life, man. And it it is. doesn't need to be that way. It should, it should be, there should be, you know, the streaming playlist should be made up of 50% independent artists because yeah. they make up 50% of all music, at least, maybe even higher. But for business reasons, they're shut out. That, that to me is tragic. Yeah, I'm friends with uh, JJ French and I was at a Yankees game and uh, we're not going to take it came on. So I just texted him and I said, cha-ching. Yeah. Said, not really, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's so small. It's so small. <laughs> That's funny. All right, man. Thanks for the time. All right. And, uh -huh. and um, I'll be picking. I'm not sure where I'm going to go for Black Friday, but I'm sure it'd be um, a lot of stores in New York City have uh, closed um, that I like. Well, you still got Academy. You've got Generation. Yeah, Academy. I do like Academy. I do like. You Academy. got the new Rough Trade there, right in Rock Plaza. Um, I haven't checked that out. Yeah, there's a bunch of cool places to go. It's just sad that 
finished vinyl is gone. I mean, and good uh, good records, right? I heard is is gone. Uh, I don't know. Good. Yeah. From where? Um, from New York City. I don't. I don't know. That's too one where you walk down. It's like a little. They had a lot of like hip hop, reggae stuff like that. Mm. There was another one too that had a lot of alternative. But things change, you know. Some go. Everything changes. Things. Yep. Others pop up. So, um, but there are a lot of good solid Connecticut stores. So, um, Pennsylvania too. Yeah, Pennsylvania's got a lot of great stores, and and the Soundgarden down in Baltimore rethought themselves completely, and now it's a it's a combination: the Soundgarden record store in the Luna Garden outside, which is sort of this art space with a stage and sculptures and paintings it. yeah and it's just a man it has a small little uh food stand uh in the in between i mean it's just really cool it looks amazing you should check it out online and they that's a classic record store move i mean the guy who owns it brian is just in love with music and then when you go in his space you know it it's all about music and that's what i love about what i said thinking out of the box and doing oh yeah you got to yeah. cannot stay static if you do you're dead all right michael thank you man oh you're welcome have a good one i'll stay in touch yeah, okay bye. better feel better oh. <laughs> thank you michael for your time don't forget to go to record stores on record store day black friday in november the day after thanksgiving of course and in the meantime go to record store day's website and check out all the goodies that will be available on Black Friday. There's a lot of good ones beyond what we spoke about. And also go to shop.goldminemag.com to go to our own record shop and go to Barnes & Noble Books A Million to pick up the print edition every month. And also go to goldminemag.com for exclusive content. This is Pat Prince, editor of Goldmine. We'll see you in the next episode. Ciao. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.